If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hello and welcome to Millions of Screens. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined as always by TV deputy editor Ben Travers and TV awards editor Libby Hill. Today, we're going to be delving into a bunch of Delaware County stuff. That's right. Not only are we going to be talking about Mayor of Easttown finale, but we're going to be talking about Philly DA. Ben's, Ben's going to regale us with his uh, newest binge watch. Man, it's, it's, so, it's a shame that Ben can't say anything right now because he's still trying to figure out how to record his quick time. Oh, this is our moment to shine. Friends is bad. Anyway, friends is bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, delicious. Ben's ben, are you back? Take us off the Christmas. It is millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. Skipping ahead to the clicker, our recap of the biggest new items from this past week. Guys, Literally today, Tuesday, we launched Award Spotlight. Award Spotlight 2021. Uh, we launched with John Boyega uh, for his role in Small Axe, but there'll be a lot of other big names rolling out this week. Kate Winslet, Dr. Orna, Ethan Hawke, amongst others. Who are you guys most excited to see drop? Who, who, who have you been pushing for? I don't know who you were excited about interviewing. I'm excited for Dr. Orna. Um, ben loves Dr. Orna too. That's and a fact. Dr. Orna is always like free therapy. So I'm very excited for other people to watch the interview and get free therapy because I feel like that is absolutely a service that IndieWire should get into. Um, say more. Say more, basically. Uh, speaking of saying more, I talked to Kate Winslet today for the second time to to fill out our spotlight uh previously i'd only seen the first episodes first five episodes of mayor of Easttown. um having seen the final two we wanted to circle back with her and and it, any conversation have- about her performance this year would have been uh remiss if we didn't speak to her about those last two episodes so we're bringing that to you i'm very excited for everyone to see that ben doesn't like uh spotlight so he doesn't oh. have any opinions on on the other hand, let me. I love Spotlight, and I am absolutely ecstatic. I am. I'm. I cannot wait for the video cuts to come in of your interview with Katori Hall for P Valley. I mean, what a perfect pairing! It's like so that's going to be. I mean, I just. I really just want more people to watch P Valley, and I know that that this kind of interview will be a, a perfect gateway drug for that to happen. So, uh, very excited for that. Obviously, I'm very excited for you to talk to Gene Smart. I don't know how that interview went. I can only imagine it was wonderful. But I mean, Gene Smart has had one hell of a year already. We have so many questions about the vegetable freezer bag with the hidden ice cream. Uh, I'm sure you covered that as well as other shows, maybe, maybe even Hacks, a little bit about Hacks. A little bit. Uh, but I, I have to say, like, uh, I, I'm not sure of the status, but I'm so excited for you to talk to star of Ted Lasso, Mr. Ted Lasso himself. Jason Sudeikis, um, it feels like a really big moment for you. Um, 
Sudeikis is is so important and Ted Lasso has been such an important show to you. Uh, I, I really hope that happens for you. An interview a year in the making. An <laughs> interview a yeah. year in the making. Well, you talked a little bit about uh, Gene Smart and obviously and Mayor of Easttown. Uh, and we're going to we're going to jump around Delaware County a little bit because Ben put this on our clicker radar. Philly D.A., which is being heralded by some as the nonfiction version of The Wire. Can't be true. I know that friend of the pod, Steve Green, spoke to the directors. But Ben, what can you tell us about this show uh, that sort of follows civil rights attorney Larry Krasner as he becomes the titular Philly D.A. in trying to enact these uh, progressive uh Progressive ideals that we all hold dear uh, in in a bureaucratic uh, system that maybe can't be one. It's um, the titular role. <laughs> Isn't that what I said? I don't know how he landed it, but he did. He's an untrained actor Love with the, the titular role in Philly DA. Uh, no, it's um, it's a great show. It's it's an absolutely phenomenal show. I don't think saying it's the like second coming of The Wire or The Wire in documentary form or docuseries form is uh, an over-exaggeration by any means. Um, I think, honestly, we should all be doing and saying whatever it takes to get as many people to watch this show as possible. I definitely haven't felt this strongly about a documentary series since I saw City So Real uh, a little bit last year. Um, it's It's a PBS Independent Lens production. Uh, there's eight episodes. The eighth episode should have aired, depending on when you listen to this, like a couple of days ago, but they're all going to be available uh, for streaming and, and through various PBS uh, affiliates and apps and all that. So you'll be able to find it. That's first and foremost. Second of all, speaking to its greatness, uh, it's extremely easy to watch. Like it, it's ostensibly about like you mentioned, a civil rights advocate who was a lifelong defense attorney, um, like, a, like a, a, a big advocate for the little guy against the system and against the bureaucracy and against all of that, becoming a part of that system by being elected uh, the district attorney of Philadelphia. And him kind of adjusting to the role is certainly part of the series. And one of the greatest strengths of the series is kind of showing in detail the obstacles that kind of get thrown up in front of these people. And they've spoken to like, there's a, there's at least one scene in the first six episodes uh, where Larry is speaking to another, you know, quote unquote progressive district attorney who was nominated, who was elected. And, and they're kind of going back and forth about what they need and what their advice would be to each other in terms of getting the action done that they want to get done. And, uh, you know, Larry was elected on this platform of change. He was elected on a platform where he was like, I, I'm not going to be the nice guy. I'm not going to go about like doing all of the nice handshaking political things right. I'm going to make decisions that are better for our state, for our city, um, based on hard data, based on science. And what's really interesting to watch as the series unfolds is how that kind of rock solid defense gets stripped away by public opinion and emotional reactions and um, you know, the various systems that are already in place that are angered by any sort of change whatsoever. And you kind of get to, you kind of get a front row seat for all of it. Like you get, there's a lot of really good interviews first and foremost with various people around town uh, who have strong opinions about what Larry is doing, whether it's, uh, you know, in the positive or the negative. Uh, and that part of it is very exciting, but there's also just taking, like setting aside the the significance, which is, 
you know, the highest point for the series uh, of, of what the issues it's speaking to and kind of the ide- idealism at its core and what we're all trying to strive for in a better country and a, and a, and a better world. Um, there's really great character work. Like there's just really good people that you want to watch in this. Um, there's, there's a couple of scenes that are strictly comedic where like, yeah, it kind of speaks to what the issues they're dealing with are in the moment, but they're just really, really funny. Um, the communications guy is such a like stereotypical communications guy that like he tries to make a couple of jokes and have a nice time for a second while he's in the office talking to people. And then he has to like immediately follow that up by saying them, don't take that outside of the room. Don't say that out loud to anybody else. That was just for us. Um, and there's just, there's a lot of human moments like that that make it a really easy show to get through despite how hard some of the topics are. Um, the access that they got is incredible. The uh, the people that they included and found ways to speak to is astonishing. Um, it's really just a, a phenomenal show and I hope more people find it. I absolutely credit all of, this recommendation to Steve Green, the recommendation machine. Uh, he banged the drum for this one as he should. Uh, plenty of other critics have as well. I'm late to the ball game, but now that it's all out there, I hope that people who like the binge model or were waiting until they could watch it on their own terms do so now. It is great. Philly DA. And not to get too far afield, but speaking of Steve Green, the recommendation machine, uh, he posted, you know, the upcoming June TV premieres. Uh, and I was just wondering, what of that list of shows coming out are you guys most excited about? There's obviously obviously some big things from Apple TV and Lysi's story, if that's how you say that, and phys- physical uh, with Rose Byrne. Um, there's Blind Spotting, which is based on the film with uh, David Diggs. There's Loki. Ben is non nonplussed non Disney plus nailed it. What from, what from this list, if anything, are, are you excited for Ben? Uh, or what, what do you think people should seek out uh, as the June TV schedule rolls out? As much as I admire Steve's diligence in putting together uh, many options for people to choose from, and as much as I respect, uh, you know, everybody who's putting out contact or putting out content, putting out new shows, putting out artistic work in June, 2021, uh, there's only one show that people need to seek out. Uh, everybody knows it. It's Two Converti season two. It'll be premiering on June 14th. Uh, the second season is now on Adult Swim. It has moved over from Netflix. There will not be any more seasons on Netflix. Do not sit and wait. Oh my gosh, I can just wait until season two comes on Netflix. I'll watch it then. That will never happen. It will be on HBO Max. It will not be on Netflix. Uh, but more importantly, you should watch it live because Toucan Birdie is great. Toucan Birdie makes the world better. Uh, and I am so, so ecstatic for Lisa Hannawalt's show to return. So that's my June pick. There are other shows, as you mentioned. Uh, I don't know this Loki character you speak of, but uh, I am very much looking forward to... Uh, it, it sounds like a bird name. So yeah, let's go with that. Uh, birds. Birds of June. Libby, will you be watching The Cube? No. I mean, I, <laughs> I, lo- I love me some Dwayne Wade, but uh, I just, I just, I'm not into like physical challenges, I guess. I, I it, that's just not, I'm not about that. If I'm going to see physical challenges, it better be on a putt putt course. I am very much looking forward to Loki. I am absolutely expecting it to be on the exact same level as all of the Marvel shows uh, to date. 
which is about a B minus C plus movie. Um, and I'm fucking here for it because I would watch Tom Hiddleston in much worse stuff, to be completely honest with you it's nice to see owen wilson back it's really nice to see owen wilson back with a mustache um i don't know i i'm i'm more excited for this one than i than i have been in a while uh i'm just looking for something that is uh dumb fun and doesn't have anyone getting their head caved in with captain america's shield i mean steve put this list together but i have to assume that the show that's the show that steve is most excited for is Kevin can fuck himself, if only because it has ties from creator Valerie Armstrong to Lodge 49. Yeah. So I have to assume the Lodge 49 adjacent show is the one that Steve Green himself is most excited for uh, putting words into his mouth. For, For a show with a swear word in the title that thus has like. I don't know, asterisks or something in its place. So then the SEO is going to be all messed up and no one's really going to be able to search for this thing. Uh, that show has already developed like a cult following amongst like the critical TV community, whatever, because A, yes, there are Lodge 49 ties and it's on AMC. And then B, the acting star was in that show that we don't like, but a lot of people did called the Best Comedy of All Time. We've been talking about some things that are coming, like Award Spotlight and June TV premieres. But let's talk about something that just finished, Mayor of Easttown. Yeah, I did. Guys, I was yeah. right. I did it. <laughs> I did it. All right. I somebody, did it. Somebody play the tape. <laughs> uh, hey, I had Ryan on my list. Number four on my list. I believe last week when you made your rankings and you got to the third position, which was Guy Pierce. Was Guy Pierce in third? Guy Pierce was one. Was one? Who was in three? So then John uh, Ross was Bill, two. Billy Ross. Okay. I think when you got to the third position, maybe the second position was when you said something to the to the likes of this person could have done it, which strongly implied that everyone else on the list definitely <laughs> didn't do it which was why I asked for a clarifying uh, explanation during the pod. I'm not sure where we landed. I will say, I will say in defense of my, and I'm not trying to shade mayor at all, but in defense of my leaving Ryan off the most likely to do it, even though there are plenty of signs pointing to it, his, uh, his angry uh, outbursts at school uh, after that bully was picking on his sister the main one being, you're telling me this kid's biking around town all night with a gun. Uh, that was sort of like I think some of the, some of the some of the r- realistic aspirations of the show kind of do go out the window with Ryan as the killer, and then him dragging the body and hiding it, and then putting the gun back, and then it, it does sort of like he seems, yeah, he seems a little young for all of that, especially. And this is like the show was actually probably helped by the the gap it had in shooting. When you consider that when they started shooting, he was a year and a half younger, like or a year younger at the very least, like he was a baby. And so to have this kid biking around town, I think that's the reason I put him on the outskirts of the of the of the rankings, even if, you know, there was defending Jacob precedent. What's his face is definitely older. And that's also a different type of crime that doesn't require multiple people helping one out 
I, th- I mean, I think you're right, too. I think they structured it in a very in a in a way where uh, you find out so late in the episode, they're hoping you don't go back and do all of that math. I will say it makes sense to me it, it one 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 positive of Ryan being the killer and being on a bike is that there won't aren't going to be any cars identifiable cars like it's much easier to stick to the shadows in a small town you're on a bike um biking with a fully loaded gun uh when you've clearly never handled a gun before yeah so i I mean in that way he's less conspicuous i think but uh now it seems like a good time to mention that mayor of east town is an hbo drama starring kate winslet (laughs) Uh, it's about a detective There's and there was a murder. Coming. Uh, we've been talking about it for the last five or six weeks and we are going to spoil things, uh, pretty big things in case you haven't watched it. Like uh, who the killer is. <laughs> well, let's, let's talk briefly about some of the other names that were on my, on my kill list. Uh, I think Your last week. List? That's a totally different list. Potential, <laughs> potential killer list. <laughs> Uh, so we had Guy Pierce. I had Guy Pierce at one, mostly because I wanted to go against the grain and say there has to be a reason he's there. And guess what? There's no reason he's there. Yeah. <laughs> the, reason, the reasoning being they had another actor cast, and uh, because of uh, COVID, he couldn't uh, finish the role, so they just swapped in Guy Pierce because he wanted to do something fun. Because he was friends with Kate Winslet, and she trusted him, and she knew that they'd have chemistry together, which they did. And uh, you know what? It worked out great. I thought it was great. But, great decision. I mean, but an amazing red herring. Red mayoring. John Ross, bad man, but not as bad as you think. Still very bad. Uh, <laughs> this this does bring up a good question. Uh, actually, give me your third guy. Give me give me your third name. Then I'll, I'll Billy Ross, the cousin of the dad of the girl who died. Right. Okay. So here's my question for the group. Um, before the final twist in the finale. Uh, the captain came up to Mayor and said, hey, Billy had fully cooperated, so he's going to be getting out pretty soon. Just thought you should know that. And she was like, okay, whatever. And then she moved on. Does Billy go back to prison now that they find out the truth and realize that he didn't actually fully cooperate? He helped cover up the murder for the kid. So they thought that he cooperated with you know, his brother, but in fact, he was hiding the truth about what happened with his nephew. Leo actually had a very similar question he wanted me to pose to Kate Winslet that I sadly did not have time to get to because she's very good at answering questions. Um, Yeah, the the legal gray areas of all of the Ross clan are sort of uh, need to be focused on. Lori obviously knew the truth sooner than she let on. I mean, it was only after uh, he had been caught that she said, I was made aware of this fact, Um, but seemingly is facing no uh, ramifications for her uh, hiding the truth from mayor and and the police force. I think you should make the argument that Lori wasn't officially questioned by the police so that she didn't like obstruct justice. She maybe lied to her friend mayor, but not detective East Town. I don't remember Mayor Detective Sheehan, but I call her Mary Stone. So let's go with that. But there's That's... also an element of how how much well, is there's she... no way she wouldn't be interviewed. Also, how much does she know going when when John's going to the fishing trip with Billy? Like they 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 selectively show that scene. Does she know that John's about to kill Billy? That's bad. 
You can't. What, you can't know that. What matters here is that you're not allowed to know someone's about to kill someone. She has plausible deniability, and that's what got her kept her out of jail. I think. I think the brothers are in it for a while, though. I think they're off. Uh, I think they're not coming back to East Town for quite a few decades. Uh, and just to, just to find just to round out my five, and then we could talk a little bit more about the episode and the performances therein. But how about the what I, I referred to Libby uh, earlier as the face turn from Dylan Hinchy, barring a little a little wrestling terminology, uh, going heel to face, uh, handing over all of the ear surgery money <laughs> to Lori. Did not see that coming. Not not an episode after he pointed a gun at Aaron's best friend and threatened to blow her face off. Very strange. Yeah. I I think it's, I think it's important that we all collectively agree that, that Dylan is still a piece of shit. Uh, Absolute Absolute piece of shit. You can't buy your way out of that sort of thing with a, with a donation like that. So I, I still think it's, I think it's safe to say that Dylan was a piece of shit. Um, And, you know, good for, given her the money i guess but you know, you know what i would have appreciated bad stuff you know what i would have appreciated in the show if after he gives the money they stayed with dylan he goes back to his truck or he goes back to whatever car he came in and his parents are in there and i was like did you give the money the way we told you to because like they want dj and their assumption is Lori's probably going to prison too someone's <laughs> gonna have to take care of dj might as well be us and if, and if and if you are if you're being a good guy, maybe Lori will be like, give it to Dylan. He knows the baby. He can, they can take care of the baby. Well, the whole point of this finale was to try to close up all of the loose ends that they'd already <laughs> thrown out there willy nilly into the universe. And they did a really good job. So to introduce another one where it's just like, maybe it's Lori not a- gets arrested and maybe the kid's up for adoption and maybe like, that's too much. Like people would be dissatisfied. Um, well, we've talked a lot about my kill list killers list um but what did you guys think of the episode uh at large the whole the whole thing uh the performances uh the pacing and and how it sort of concluded the mayor story i i enjoyed the ending i thought they did i mean again like the the thing that struck me when i first started watching mayor um and that stayed true all the way to the end was that it was a show of of two halves like two sides of a coin uh on one side of the coin was uh the murder mystery that leo became obsessed with and many others did as well and there were uh murder turder rankings all over the internet um and those were very fun and i think that that is absolutely why uh the viewership for the finale ended up growing to four million total viewers uh just spiked week over week became like a very buzzy sensation um that was that was a big part of it. And I think they did a pretty good job balancing that overall because most people were still guessing until the end. Um, they set up a ton of red mirrorings, uh, but followed through on most of them, which I greatly appreciated and was frankly surprised by, uh, which leads me to the other side of, of the show, which was this very grounded, uh, location-driven, character-driven drama like it was a it was a story about one woman trying to overcome her overwhelming grief and the tragedy that uh befell her and and the way that they tied the cases and her work into her you know kind of psychological toiling toward overcoming these things 
worked really well in the end. Like they, they really delivered both of those things um, in a way where it was very important for Mare as a human being to keep pushing until she found the full truth and then followed that full truth through to the letter of the law. Uh, I think that they, we, we can talk about this a little bit more if, if Libby wants to, but I think they could have spent a little more time on whether or not Mare turns in the kid, whether or not she's like, yeah, I'm going to put this kid in jail instead of, you know, letting people kind of go along with the idea that his dad covered it up and his dad was a bad dude. And a lot of this came at the, at the fault of the father. Um, But because it was so important for her to be truthful to herself and thus be truthful to the case, there really wasn't a lot of debate for her, like from a, from a character standpoint, I don't think she could have really done anything else without, you know, risking the the progress she'd accomplished in therapy of, of addressing her own grief and addressing her own past and, and looking at that wholly in the mirror. Um, so again, what, what impressed me the most about the finale was just how they tied those two sides together um, pretty well. I've, I've seen, um, <laughs> I've seen an interesting, critique online where uh, apparently people are calling the show a little bit soap opera-y. Uh, I did call it a little melodramatic in my review. And I, I hope that it's not, I hope this isn't, you know, a weird sexist impulse in me to, to call a show that because it's led by a woman and there's mainly women in the cast. To me, the melodrama that, that became a little distracting or a little over the top you pretty much stemmed from all of the red herrings, red bearings that they put out into the world and like how big and obvious those were at the end of each episode, uh, which made it feel like this kind of weird, grander, twisty ordeal, as opposed to like the intimate grounded personal story that, that Kate Winslet's mm-hmm. character was going through. Um, but I leave it to the floor. Like, I, I feel like a lot of the reaction to this has been very, very strong, even stronger than I expected it to be. Um, and I think it was a very good show. I, I don't think it's, you know, an elite HBO drama, but I thought it was incredibly satisfying compared to compared to the one of the more yes, one of the more recent HBO murder mysteries that was uh, the a outsider? failure on all fronts. No, the undoing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the outsider was fascinating, start to finish. There were problems, many problems but it was fascinating. The undoing was boring and bad and awful. And this did a great job. So credit where it's due. Libby, stop me from talking. Please take over. What did you think of the finale? I will admit that the second that Ben watched the finale for Mayor of Easttown, keep in mind, we had screeners, but I had not watched it. Uh, He, I made him tell me everything that happened. because I don't care about spoilers. I, I just, I just have to know. Um, and he, he went into detail and he told me everything that happened. Um, and he, he, he went on for quite a while. I had to be like, wait, I gotta go to a meeting and then I'll come back. We could start again. And we did that. I was Uh, covering two episodes to be fair. And it was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. There was a lot of, there was a lot of business that was happening in those episodes. Um, and I'll be honest with you, what he described for the finale sounded absolutely awful, off the <laughs> wall, like just, it, it, you know, 
very defending Jacoby, like, oh, it's the kid and it's always the kid. And it just like it didn't it didn't hang together. And then they think it's this person and it's not. It's a cover up. Well, how big is the cover up? Like it all just felt very hacky. Like I didn't like it. It it felt like they they took a hard right turn and threw it all away in the last episode. Um and I was really impressed with how they handled all of it because on paper it can seem very melodramatic. Like there's a lot going on and there's cre- scream or there's you know sobbing children and and you know people fighting it. Like it it's just it's a lot to handle. Um the killer had every opportunity to seem very unearned, um, very eye-rolly because it was kind of far, far afield from from sort of where we were expecting things to go. Um, but the emotional core was there. Like that episode, that's why you have Julianne Nicholson hanging around in this kind of thankless role for six episodes because I don't know if there are other people who can land that plane of like sorrow and rage and secrecy and just being so um she was just so simultaneously so fragile and so unbreakable in 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 the way she held herself um she was honestly incredible and that went so far as well as well as the work from Winslet um I think it's so I think what you were saying is 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 right Ben about whether or not is with um Mayor wrestling about whether or not she should go after this kid after all part of the parties are already in in jail but like this was all about the entire limited series was about closing the books on things like uh not letting things hang over your head things reach the end you close the book you close it you close it and you have to move on um so much of what was plaguing that entire town was loose ends and there's no way in good conscience or within mayor herself but also the larger ethos of what the show's trying to say that she could not see it through to the end because uh, her journey is all about letting herself uh complete things um and in some cases start things as far as like her grieving process goes and i i i was very impressed um it wasn't perfect nothing is i don't think it's it's a i i also don't think it's among hbo's elite limited series i don't I don't necessarily think it's among this year's elite limited series, um, which is just a testament to how high quality the uh, high, how high quality the competition is this year. Um, but I'm very interested in how it's gonna how things are gonna shake out nominations. I mean, it it airing its finale on May 31st um, to to pretty positive avail. Um, with voting opening a little over two weeks later um, that could play out very well for them it will be the freshest thing in in people's minds Um, I'm just I'm wondering how much the the scale is going to get tipped Um, 
Leo, other than murdered Durder, what else, what else do you have? The pacing was such that like you knew in the finale that something that there was always gonna be other shoes that were gonna drop. It wasn't quite what you and I had talked about, Livy, where it's like, oh, she's gonna catch John and that's it. And then we're gonna talk, we're gonna see how Mayor. Mare's life shakes out, which is kind of what the show did, but the timing was just off enough where it's like we spent a little too much time with John. Like we're like we're 14 or 16 minutes in. It's like, okay, so John's Wait talking and he's not get he's not getting the facts right. And you're like, oh, it was Ryan. It was Ryan. <laughs> Damn it. It's like, ah, oh, I was the kid. Um, you know, like, oh, and they're all lying to protect the kid. And so, and so I at that point, it's just say, I I will say I was very impressed with the with the carol's house with the it being like he got the gun from there and then he returned it because that's really smart um and you know so much of this was based on kind of an adult old man uh you know thinking there's a prowler thinking all of these things he loses his wife he slept with gene smart there's just there was just a lot going on there um with varying degrees of accuracy yeah so uh i did really like that and i thought the way they laid out that scene like the building the building tension in mayor in that was very good but i interrupted you and i'm very sorry please continue i don't know yeah so so obviously pacing wise like and then and then you're sort of waiting for mayor to put it together as you're watching the episode you're like okay john's story is wrong he wasn't sleeping with the woman come on mayor (laughs) put it together you can do this well, like, I guess I guess this is the thing that I was again like just really impressed with how they handled the duality of it because for the murder mystery to work, she has to go see that guy again. She has to go see Mr. Carroll. So for her to go see Mr. Carroll, yeah, okay, he, he calls in and he has you know a complaint or whatever. He thinks something's missing, and that's the reason she goes over there. And she could have just gone for that. You know, uh, he would have said stuff was missing, said his gun was missing. Then they, you know, go into the murder mystery side of it. But instead, they flush this guy out enough where he's lost. There's 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 old food, like old dinner sitting on the table. Uh, It's a mess in there. And you can see that like the old mayor, the one who wasn't dedicated to her job, the one who was just kind of sluggishly going through the paces um, would have just dismissed all of this as like, you're a crazy old man. Like you're just, you've just had a tough time and you're complaining about nothing. Like, I'm sure that you lost your nice pizza cutter, but you know, it'll turn up. Don't worry about it. Instead, they like build it out to the point where, you know, he has a genuine question for her that also reveals stuff about how much she's grown and what kind of perspective she has going forward. Uh, And that kind of part of it, I think is what really surprised me and how effective that was all the way through the show, because I think it would have been easier for them to say, listen, we really got to make sure this murder mystery works. So we're just going to like focus on that and get those details. Right. And they did spend a ton of time getting those details. Right. Um, When talking to the director, Craig Zobel, he'd said that, you know, they'd done a few different takes where they gave people, you know, leeway to go uh, pretty extreme with a reaction that would lead audiences to, you know, suspect them or to suspect something was up or to, you know, trigger them in some way. Um, And then they'd do one where it was like nothing happened. They'd go to the other extreme where it was just like completely silent, just a shot of this person nothing to see here kind of thing. And they found it in the editing room. And it was really fun to kind of uh, think about, you know, Zobel 
and uh, the creator, Brad Inglesby and Kate Winslet, who is an executive producer on this first time producer, uh, having these conversations, not only as, you know, like as the pandemic was still happening, as they're stuck in their homes, like trading files back and forth and trying to remember everything and, and putting it into, into the right order and making it all connect. Uh, but doing it like as those first episodes were starting to come out and as people were reacting to them and they're still like fine tuning the ending to make sure it all lands right. It just felt to me like so much of that fine tuning worked and like that kind of craft and effort and care that was put into making the two pieces come together uh, just made the whole show that much better. Um, so, yeah, I I think that scene with Mr. Carroll was uh, was one of those where if you are just invested in the murder mystery, it can be easy to just be like, come on, come on, come on, come on. We got to go like, come on, get to it, get to it, get to it. But while you're waiting, they give you something good to think about. They give you something to invest in, which was smart. So um, more Kate Winslet produced things. You'll be happy to hear, Ben, that I did ask her about that in the interview, and I will tell you more about it off the air. Um, but I, I think something the show is so smart about was empathy. Um, you know, we've heard about, we've heard a lot about how uh, Mayor, though she didn't treat anyone very well, she would generally treat people outside of her family better than people inside of her family. But watching how she changed in the final two episodes, you can see that as she started taking care of herself, her ability to empathize came back um, because she was stuck in her grief and her depression for so long. Uh, that can really kind of vapor lock a person's empathy. Um, their meter won't refill. So they have nothing to give. So they're going through the motions and they have the muscle memory of like what to do to care about people, but the emotion isn't there. So to see her, you know, take that time in the final episode sit down with this guy okay mr carroll let's talk about let's let's talk about your missing pizza cutter like what what else is happening and you know it it it's good police work but it's also good being a human being and and it was so gratifying to see her come by it was a little like um a resurrection i guess it, you know you see her lose the pallor of death, sort of, not literally, but, but figuratively, she comes back to herself and you start getting a glimpse of who she once was or who she could be. And those are always my favorite stories. Um, I don't need to see the entire transformation. I just need to see the sprout. And, and sometimes that's enough. Um, and so I think it was very effective at that. It was, it was also really a jolt for me when her daughter uh, told her, I think it was when she was asking about like, what should I do with college? That sort of thing. And she, and, and mayor was like, you know, get out of here. Like, you know, further you can get from this town, the better, like blah, blah, blah. And her daughter just called her out for it and was like, no, 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 you, you love it here. And the town is better with you in it. And in that moment, you know, if you remember those first three or four episodes, you're like, that's fucking bullshit. And then you had to, you know, readdress yourself and be like, no, no, she has like, she's come around. It is. That's true now. Like it wasn't true before and it is now. And when you can feel the truth and understand the truth and those kind of uh, arcs across the series, it really just, I think helps all of it land a little bit better. Uh, even if it's ridiculous that she would drive across the country by herself going from Pennsylvania 
to Berkeley? No way. When you're like 18, I don't, not a chance of now. That's irresponsible. Come on. But I completely agree with you on sort of the empathetic uh, side of Mayor reemerging over the course of the, the last couple episodes. But I just want to get your guys' take on the final shot of the series. Uh, Mayor uh, climbing back into the attic of the, the place of her greatest trauma. How do you think that landed with you guys, but also with audiences the worldwide? I remember reading someone last night or yesterday talking about how if they really wanted the staircase to the attic to land, then we would have spent a little more time with uh, Kevin's story. And I, I think that's true. Um, I think that this, that it was, I think, I sometimes think this could have used, this series could have used another episode. It, it, you know, maybe it needed a little more fleshing out because they had a lot of balls in the air and, you know, we didn't see uh, Siobhan's video. We, you know, we got that window into what Kevin was really like in episode six, but, it, you know, there, there's so many other things pulling at our attention. Um, but at the same time, it worked for me because we don't see her in the attic. We don't see anything like that. Uh, the stairs are always we see her scampering up the stairs uh, when she she comes back on the day of the the suicide and um, I think it's just I, I it worked for me it was a very small thing and I don't know um, it's like I was talking about with endings like closing a chapter like you have to take those next steps and you know, it was symbolic and, and I was, I was willing to go with it. Um, it was the best way for Mare to have a physical action to, to represent her journey and like what, what was palpably different from the beginning of the show to the end of the show. So for me, that worked, but I totally get someone who, who, who it fell a little flat for. My initial reaction when I first watched it was very much of like, this is too on the nose. This is too like you've hit it on the head. Like we've, we've seen the transformation. So we get that part of it. If you needed a reason for her to go up there, then like fit it into a scene where there's other things going on. And this is the, the, the expectation like that she had to go up there for a reason more than just, I have to do this for myself. Um, Again, like the symbolism of it all to me is is almost the reason not to do it because it makes too much sense for that to be the closing thing. But then I go back to the idea that a lot of Mare was in reality, those kind of bigger moments, like so many of the episodes ended with like big cliffhanger moments. I think of the Deacon, you know, throwing the bike over the side of the bridge and you were just like, that's way too obvious. I guess he's not the killer. He might not be a good guy, but he can't be the killer if they're going to show that in episode three or whatever it was. So like the, the ending of those episodes all had a little bit of a, like, maybe this is a little like too obvious or too on the nose or too much. Um, Right. And that, and that's just where the series ended up living with its closures or with its closings. But um, the second time through it didn't, it didn't bug me quite as much. Um, But I would say that in terms of what went on with her son, I didn't really have any problem with how that was depicted. Um, mainly because again, this, this to me was about Mare's perspective of it. So 
kind of understanding the memories that haunted her as well as the the impression that Kevin left on her and her life was those were the more important elements to me. I will say that I'm not entirely sure how I'm supposed to feel about his girlfriend um, and her presence in the life of Mare's granddaughter or grandson. Um, I, I didn't get a clear read on, you know, that, that the memory that you talk about, I think that that stands out the most of, of him like coming in after mayor in the bathroom and screaming at her. And then the, you know, <laughs> Kevin Bacon's daughter coming in next to him and saying those awful things. Like that's the main impression that we get of the relationship. To me, that was the main thing where you're like, that is how their relationship existed. Once he grew up, like once he reached a, a certain age, you know, so- shortly before he died. Um, and with that in mind, you're not planting drugs on her. We know that's a mistake. We know that's bad, but she's not like a easy person to root for. Like she's not an easy person to get behind. And that introduces a whole other level of complexity where if they were going to extend it to another episode, that's where they would have needed to focus. They would have needed to try to branch out that character to me more even than, than Kevin uh, to understand like, okay, how are we supposed to feel about her struggling with trying to get her life back together and, and working towards something. What was she like before this happened? Because the only thing we know about her is really, she used to be this. Now she's trying to get clean. And I guess we're supposed to believe there's more to it than that. And there should be more to it than that. There would have to be, but it just felt easier to, to be like, no, 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 she's not good. Like she's like, we don't, we don't want her to end up with the kid, even though in reality, maybe you would. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely thought to get to the staircase up to the attic, I agree with Ben wholeheartedly that it, like, it was too cute by half. It was like, oh, this is exactly how you would end a show like this. It's like a hat on a hat. It, all, it seems like, and I don't want to speak for how people deal with their trauma, but the idea of like, I'm going to close, my closure is going to the place where the trauma happened and just sitting there feels strange and like weirdly unnecessary. Um, but to Ben's second point, you almost half expected Mayor in that scene outside the mediation for Drew to like lend a helping, like you're seeing her like make all these things and like, you almost want to see either her go, I'm still your, your, your enemy or let me like, he, he's always going to be a part of your life. We'll help you through this. And like almost extend an olive branch to be like, I want to be kind to you the way that Gene Smart was because you you are his mother. And at some point, if you get your shit together, I want to be a part of his life still. And instead, you just kind of got nothing from Mare to read on how she's it's like, OK, I'm going to go back in there and say you didn't show up and we're going to get Drew again. And I'm going to take this light and that's it. And we'll figure out the next time you come back around asking for, uh, you know, uh to be his, his mother, we'll let the courts deal with it then, as opposed to trying to like, let's work together on getting you better. And it's funny because it's, it's the opposite of an issue I had on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where it's like Isaiah Bradley's talking about all this awful stuff that was done to him in the 50s and like him saving all those people in Korea. Uh, and I'm like, I want a flashback to that. Like, I want to see that. Like, show me Isaiah Bradley in the 50s being a super soldier. Here... I don't want to see Ryan's I don't want to see the dramatization of Ryan's killing of Aaron. I think I'd rather live in in the room with 
the four people in that room with Mayor, the captain, and Lori and Ryan telling the story. And I think that that like I think it's the it's the in it's the inconsistencies of storytelling visuals that sort of bothered me. Like that Kevin snippet is super powerful, but it's like it doesn't fit with anything else the show does. So it feels like a cheat. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin showing up in Mayor, like Mayor thinking Kevin's in a corner. That's fine. Like her having visions of him or thinking he's there. I can buy that because it's in her psyche. But like this like full on flashback from outside of Mayor's perspective felt like we got it. We got to like, we got to hit home how bad Kevin was and how bad Kevin's girlfriend was. And we got to hit it hard. And then additionally, the flashback just kind of took me out. Like the reenactment took me out of it. I know we've gone way over. And <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm cutting all of this. Well, yeah, this could be cut. How much time have we logged on this one imperfect show, like, in the last A lot. Two months? We have to dig into the obsession because it was there. And the accents are great. And- all right. Let's wrap this up. Uh, but first, got to get to Leo's murder ranking number one. <laughs> <laughs> With a bullet. Still guy Ryan, Pierce. Ryan Ross, number two. Could it be Richard? Died. Could it be Richard Ryan? Season is two. Let's see why not. I mean, is, it, is it noteworthy that his last name is Ryan? Richard Ryan Ross. Richard Ryan Ross. <laughs> He's Ryan's real dad. Is he? Oh, my God. The outsider Ryan Ryan wears a hoodie. The outsider wears a hoodie and stands outside of where the reef is happening. The outsider was the prowler all along. Million Screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation, IndieWire, our theme music featured excerpts from the classic YouTube video, York, talking about TV and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Our editor-in-chief is Dana Harris-Brideson, our publisher is James Israel, and our executive editor is Ann Donahue. Our favorite shows featuring birds in the titles are DuckTales, either the 90s version or the more recent 2017 version, The Mighty Ducks Game Changers, Lonesome Dove, and Ben Travers highly recommends The Good Lord Bird. <laughs> That's true. Those are all true. So you forgot Ethan Hawke birdie as well. Mighty Ducks. It doesn't have a bird in the title. It's yeah, the it's two those, names. They're birds, though. They are birds. But these are all birds. Birdie. Bird. You can find us on Twitter at a million screens at Midwest Fire Ben T. Travers and Peter Garcia. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, by Google Play. Leave me a lesson. What do you think? This is Ben, Libby, and Leo. Reminding you as always, that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. You shouldn't let poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. <laughs>